Are you going to be teaching kindergarten next year for the first time, or do you know someone who is? Teaching kindergarten for the first time can be overwhelming, and maybe you're feeling unsure of where to start. Well, look no further. I have the ultimate survival guide for new kindergarten teachers. I created it based on all the things that you need to rock teaching kindergarten next year. All the things I wish I had known as a brand new kindergarten teacher. Get your mindset ready to tackle the challenges of kindergarten, learn how to set up your classroom for success, and master key strategies for teaching effectively. Plus, prepare for the first week of school like a pro. Don't miss out on this free guide, and please share it with your new teammates and friends who are moving to kindergarten next year. Get ready to embark on an incredible journey in kindergarten education with me as your virtual teammate cheering you on. Download the free guide today at www.kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. That's kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. Welcome to the kindergarten team. Hey, teacher friends, it's Zipa from Kindergarten Cafe. And today we're catching back up with my interview with a kindergarten teacher, a first year teacher and our conversation around literacy instruction. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the previous episode. I will link it below if you can't find it. But the previous episode, we have a really awesome conversation about teaching reading and teaching writing and the best ways to sort of go about that whole group. And then today we're getting into a conversation on centers and how best to manage centers as a classroom teacher. So I hope you like it. Let's get started. You're listening to the Kindergarten Cafe Podcast, where kindergarten teachers come to learn classroom-tested tips and tricks and teaching ideas they can use in their classroom right away. I'm Zeba, creator and founder of Kindergarten Cafe, and I help kindergarten teachers with everything they need from arrival to dismissal in order to save time, work smarter, not harder, and support students with engaging and purposeful lessons. I'm here to cheer you on through your successes and breakthroughs and offer support and resources so you never have to feel stuck or alone. Ready to start saving time and reducing your stress all while using effective and purposeful lessons that students love? Let's get started. Then I have center time after they come back from snack and recess. And for that, I do more of a choice-based system because that works for me. I've tried where I tell the kids when to rotate and what to do, and that does not work (laughs) for my brain. Um, It was just really hard to keep track of. And, you know, I I agree. It is complicated. And I spend at least 10 minutes every morning making sure that the charts on the right for the day. And yeah. And what if a kid is missing a day? And then what if they miss that activity? And like, how do you know everyone did the activity and switching out the activities? Didn't work for me. So I also find that with choice, kids are way more engaged. But then there's the question of making sure that they get to all the stations and things like that. So what I do is the first 10 minutes of center time, they make a choice of either reading, writing, or word work, which is some phonics activities. Right now, it's specifically related to foundations to extra practice that they provided. And it is with my assistant. But once I've taught them, it's the same activity, just switched out with different letters. So I would be fine leaving them without 
an adult doing it. And I do it if she's not there. Is that one your word work that you're talking about? That's the word work. Okay. Yeah. So if I didn't have foundations, I would pick a phonics activity. Not to like, you know, shout out my stuff here, but like the ones I've made, which I made for very, uh, very purposeful because they are the same activities, just changing out the skills. Oh, good. And yeah. So you're not having to reteach it every time. Exactly. You teach them one game one time and then you just trade it out when you're moving on to another skill and the kids can practice it that way without having to like constantly learn new directions. So after those, so it's reading, writing or word work for like 10 minutes. And then I say, you can switch now. And when they switch, I added in a couple of more play-based activities that are very engaging and have real benefits. And so it's a win-win because the kids are really benefiting from all the learning that's happening, but they're also really engaged. So it helps me out to be able to meet with students. Right. And I've only just started to do that. And like I said, it depends on like the feel of the group. Um, But for those, I have a retelling station where it's based on a book we've read and I have little cutouts. Honestly, I've Google imaged stuff a long time ago and then laminated them. And the kids just retell the story and they love that. It's just a lot more engaging than handing them the book and say, tell me what happened. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And the other one is a vocabulary game where I'm now going to start making it once a week because they love it so much that they don't do anything else. It's kind of like, well, it's it's like uh, headbands, you know, headbands, the game, uh but they're not putting it on their head. They're just like giving clues to the people to guess what the object is. Um, And so that's a great way to build vocabulary or a language, all that stuff. And you're using real objects for that? No, I have cards, picture cards. Card, picture cards, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've made some, but I've also in the past just used like, I think I bought a pack of alphabet flashcards, but they had the pictures on the back. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, they could use those. And those are the play. Oh, and I do have iPads for listening to reading. We use Epic for that. Mm-hmm. And so that helps like a group of four or five kids go off and do that. They usually stay the whole time for that. And that's fine. So once they switch after the first 10 minutes, do some of them still do the reading, writing, and word work? Or is that done at that point? Yeah, some of them stay the whole time. Today I had, I think, four or five students stay with reading or writing the whole time. And that's really exciting to see. You know, and I think that's where the choice, if I was telling them to rotate, what if they're in the middle of a book and they're really excited about finishing it or they're writing a story and they aren't ready to stop yet? I hate being the one to be like, nope, you can't finish the book you're really excited about. Right. So to me, and I've done this with math too in the past, where they choose when they're ready to move stations. And if they're staying in a station the whole time because they're engaged with the activity and they're really doing it over and over again, isn't that what we want? Yeah. Like for them to sit for 30, 45 minutes, that's incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. So after the first 10 minutes, then you've got 20 to 30 more that they are freely, are they freely roaming between stations? Yeah. So that was sort of my hang up of like, where is this all going to happen? So for this, the word work is generally done at a separate table. Because like I said, I have an assistant who's there doing it, but it's also in a bin. So if she wasn't there, I would just say, take what you need from the purple bin, bring it to your desk. 
everyone sort of reading. The reading is kind of spread out. That's just the way I have it where they can like read on the rug, find a cozy spot. Um, we do a lot of teaching on, I mean, there's a lesson right there of when you're in your spot, you're reading and we're not distracted. And if it's not a good spot for you, then we need to move so you can have a good reading spot. Sure. That's a whole lesson in itself. But so the reading's kind of like on the rug all over the place a little bit. Writing's at their seats. And then the other activities are just in bins. Like I have a purple bin for word work, like one of those magazine magazine holders, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. The book mm-hmm. bins. And then a green bin for the vocabulary games. And then I have a plastic covered bin for the retelling because then they can move it easily and have all, everything they need in the bin. And that's working really well to not have like a designated spot. But it's all like a work in progress. You got to like change it up. I have had in the past, like in math, I've done it where station one is always station one. The kids go to it. If it's full, it's full. You can't come. You go to a different station. But because some kids are still reading and writing, they're at their spot. So it's kind of hard. So like today I had a group that wanted to play the vocabulary game, but all the tables had a bunch of kids on it. So I was like, oh, just go to my teacher. It's fine. You know? Okay, sure. And with the... Any of the stations, I guess, especially the first four, you have to finish before you switch. Do the activities have a clear beginning and end where they know they've finished it? Reading and writing don't. And that is an important thing to talk about of when do I feel like I'm ready to move on. But I generally feel like after 10 minutes, kids are ready to move on from reading and writing. Or unless they're really invested and then they're going to keep at it for a long time. The word work does have a clear end. Like there's a specific activity page for the two letters that we learned. And then if they're done with that, then they can make another choice. But a lot of them love to do the roll and write for the letters. And so they'll play that the whole time too. So yes and no for an endpoint. But I think generally the kids are good at knowing like, I'm done with this. But also you notice too, if they're starting to be a little misbehaving, being very chit chatty or, you know, not clearly not reading, wandering around the room, looking around, whatever. Then I just say, hey, it looks like you're done reading. Why don't you make another choice? Yeah. Because I don't want to force them to sit and read when they're not able to engage and they're not paying and they're not able to pay attention anymore. They've they've satisfied their ability. Mm-hmm. I'd rather get them engaged in something else that meets the same, not the same, but like that meet helps build literacy skills. Right. There's so many different ways to build literacy skills. I'd rather them get engaged in one of those. Sure. So how often do you switch out um, what's in the first 10 minutes? Uh, obviously, you don't switch out reading because that's their book bins, and mm-hmm. that's a whole different thing. The writing and the word work, how often are those changed? So the word work is changed every week to go with the letters that we've been learning in foundations. Okay. Once I finish with learning new letters, I probably will put a few activities that I can leave out for weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. There'll be extra practice for either handwriting or making words with CVC letters, things that are more a little more open-ended that they can do, like that are laminated, you know, they can write on a whiteboard, they can do over and over again. I'm all about the lamination so they can do it over and over and over again. And so it's less work for you for like grading papers, looking at their worksheets and coming up with new copies every time. So yeah, after this after this session of we've learned all our letters because there's a very clear like activity that goes with each letter, okay. I'm going to put something that I will leave out for weeks at a time. Okay. 
And then the writing, like I was talking about with the genre, it just kind of goes with the, they're just taking out the writing folder and they just get started because they know the routine now. They don't need me to be like, let's think of an idea. You know, they, they're in it. They can just pick up the folder and get started. Yeah. I do see when I do my writing days, like when I'm doing a writing lesson, they tend to keep writing during center time more. They tend to choose that more because um, they do have an idea in their head. And they're not ready to stop it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So they're using their writing folders there. Mm-hmm. And then like your retelling station and your vocab game, are those, how often are those kind of things changed out? I, they've been there the whole time. I haven't changed them out. Okay. Um, I do, I did add a couple books to retelling as we read more. Mm-hmm. But I'm already thinking like I'm running. I don't have as many more retelling pieces as <laughs> I don't want them to get bored with it. But I'll have to see how they do. I mean, right? This is my first year doing that as a station. Okay. And so, like, I'm already thinking we do a whole gingerbread week, and I have a ton of gingerbread book copies. I'll add that one in. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple that we like stories that we haven't. I haven't used all the retelling pieces yet, so I'll probably change it up. Um, a month, a couple sure. months, okay. just depending on, on like, I, I, the way I base changing things up, generally speaking, like dramatic play, block area, sand, whatever, is by engagement. If mm-hmm. kids aren't going there ever, then it's time to change it up. Right. That's their way of telling me they're not interested in that anymore. So if right. they're not going to the retelling center anymore, I'm going to change it up. And the vocabulary they're so invested in that game. Like I said, I'm going to have to change it so they only go once a week. So I don't see changing it, but I see maybe adding to it once they get really good at that game. And then I tell them they can only play once a week. They'll be looking for something else to do, but I don't know yet. So do you kind of keep track on a list then of who's done it? Or, uh, no. You just tell them and they're pretty good about it. Yeah. I mean, the only, I, I don't care if all the kids go to the vocabulary. That's like extra to me. Um, And I know that I do a lot of other vocabulary work. I think it's because it's fun. Everyone wants to do it. And so I'm they're They're going to get that benefit. But like I said, we'll do that vocabulary work other times. So that's extra. Retelling is extra in my mind uh, because we do other retelling. And this is more play based retelling. The only one I actually keep track of is word work. Well, that's not true. I keep track of the three of the 10 minutes every day. Right. So I like check, I have like a list on a slideshow that I just delete their name from. And so then I can see who has to go to that, who has to do reading, who has to do writing, who has to do word work. Oh, so they have to do each of those once a week? They have to do them. They have to do each one at least once a week. Right. Okay. Yeah. But then after that 10 minutes, like let's say they're doing word work and they really want to do reading. Well, after 10 minutes, they can switch. Right. Just the, the minimum. Mm-hmm. Is there enough materials for at the word work for everyone to choose it, or how much? How many sets of? It? Great question. The weekly activity that goes along with the letter that's just paper based. That is just that's, that's a copy for everyone. But going mm-hmm. forward, I'll probably have like I probably have maybe five or six copies of the roll and writes. Mm-hmm. And I just tell the kids, if it's gone, it's gone. You have to wait till there's an opening and you just, you just have to choose something else while you wait. Okay, sure. 
I I mean, I really like the system. I'm a little nervous about letting my kids go free to choose. I do agree, though, in the centers where they do have choice right now. So in the math tubs and the literacy tubs, there's, like I said, about six different bins they can pull out with different activities. Mm-hmm. And they are so engaged in those. And I, I really believe that it's because they get to choose the one they do. See, I'm doing things that I was surprised they would have even chosen because they were more tedious writing for kids that don't write. But I feel like choice is such a huge part of why they like that center. I mean, the iPad one is always engaging because kids yeah. like that. Yes. And I know kids need more choice. It's just hard with 22 of them and me to let that, let go of that control of mm. keeping them where they where I guess in a center that I know where they're supposed to be because I have a lot of wanderers mm-hmm. and <laughs> I kind of know that they're supposed to be somewhere. Yeah. I feel like it helps me. Well, here's the thing. You know your kids best. Every class is different. And I've definitely had years where I've been like, I don't know if I could do the whole choice thing. Okay. But and so it's it, no shade to someone who who says, you know, I know lots of great teachers who say, like, this is the station you're at. You're doing this. And we're, when I ring the bell, you're going to rotate. It just doesn't work for me in my brain, especially if I'm working with a small group. I'm like trying to time my small group with the movement of the centers. And I need one more minute with them. But the timer's going off. And it just didn't work for me. And so I think part of the difficulty of being a first-year teacher is trying out different routines and systems and seeing what works. Mm-hmm. This is my first year trying out centers this year. I'm in my 10th year teaching. Like every year I'm trying it out a different way and every year gets better and better and better because I'm figuring out what works for me and works for the kids. So it's okay, like permission slip signed for you to try okay. out different things <laughs> and for them to not work. Right. <laughs> you have and to that's... just try it out and see. And you do have to give it a little bit of time for the kids to kind of get into the routine to know for sure if it's working because for sure it won't work the first couple of days. <laughs> and I, I don't want you to then just be like, never mind, we can't do it. Going back to the old way. Right. Right. Choice is scary for teachers to like let go of control. It's really scary to let go of control. But I actually think it shows that you have more control over your class when you can give, let them take the lead and you can take a step back. And it's really hard for teachers like me. I'm a control freak. And I find it when I switched over to being like, yep, you choose. I had a really hard time with it at first. But now I'll never go back because, like you said, the engagement is so much higher when they can choose themselves. And it's a work smarter and a harder thing for me because I don't have to constantly, like, that's something I don't have to worry about. I don't have to think about, oh, I have to rotate the groups and I have to make sure that the kids go from to the next because I've done that. And you have like half the class that isn't moving to the next station when they're supposed to move. And you're then telling them to move and then making sure all the kids cleaned up before they go. And it's like a cluster stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, for the like five minutes, like a couple minutes in between centers. And it just, yeah, it didn't work for me. And that's okay. Yeah, I definitely see those downfalls in the transition. It's it's another transition and my class does not do well with transitions and um the like you said cleaning up 
So I feel like we're wasting learning time Mm -hmm. with that transition. And I do make my, so I'm 10 to 12 minutes each. So Mm -hmm. it's not like we're switching every five minutes and I'm trying to build that to 15. So we have two, but yeah, I, I do agree that there'll be a kid that's in the middle of a puzzle or Mm -hmm. a middle of a roll and write and it's time to switch and they would have kept working on that which they Mm -hmm. could have gotten a lot of benefits from and they might hesitate to transition and then you're on them about not listening to your directions and cleaning up and the next group's coming in and going hey and they start pulling the puzzle pieces and then the kids start saying i'm not done with that and it becomes a whole thing yep all those things so yeah i'll really have to think about this because i think as the year goes on and the kids they're getting better at keeping their bodies under control. Self-regulation is improving. They know the rules. They know the expectations because I'm very, you know, clear on that. I think something like that, I'd be more willing to try at this point in the year than, than earlier on in the, in the year. For sure. And I think, you know, for next year, let's say you find a system that really works for you for next year, you're thinking, I didn't do this at the beginning of the year, just go slow. And even now, and you're introducing it, do one center at a time with everyone and then add on another center when they get good at that and then add on another center when they get good at that. But I'll also say right now you have what, four weeks before break, before winter break? Just you three. Could, well, just three. Just really three? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could try out a couple of different things, wrap your, take some time to wrap your head around it, make some ideas, get like some systems in place that you had and then go steam ahead, full steam ahead when they come back from winter break. Like it's a really good transition period. Like now we've been in school half a year, we're ready to try something new and you're reviewing expectations and routines anyway. So it's sort of like a good point to be like, this is what we're going to be doing from now on. Right. You could take the next three weeks to sort of dabble in it and try things out. Sure. I like that. Yeah, that's a really good idea. What was your resource called that you use with the phonics activities? My, like for the word, what I would do yeah, for, word for the word work. work. Yes. It's just phonics activities bundle. Well, I hope this was really helpful to you. It really was. Thank you. And I hope it was helpful to everyone listening. Um, and that it just to bounce off ideas with our teacher. And if you have any other questions about literacy, people listening, you know, reach out to me and I'm happy to brainstorm ideas with you too. So we will, we'll talk later. Okay. Thank you. Okay. That wraps up my conversation with this amazing first year kindergarten teacher. I absolutely loved talking with her. And I'm really glad that I could help her think of some ways to structure her literacy group, but mostly to help her think about ways to work smarter, not harder. Because as a first year teacher, the feelings that you have, like the amount of stuff you have to do and that you're thinking about and that you just don't know yet, you don't know what you don't know, and the pressure you put on yourself to be all the things at once, to be everything to everyone all at the same time. And I just hope that she and everyone else listening that might be a first-year teacher and even experienced teachers, I need this reminder too, takes the pressure off a little bit because we can't be perfect every day in every lesson and we can't be doing all the things right all the time. It's just not possible. We can't be meeting with all of our students every single day. It's not possible. And so to take that pressure off and really think about how can I make this work 
for me and my students so that everyone can be successful in the long run, that's the goal. It might not look pretty every single day, but that's okay. Trying our best, trying things out might get a little messy, but we'll figure out systems that work for us and for our students. So if you liked this episode, please let me know and let me know if you want to hear more episodes like this, what topics you might want to hear about and maybe you'd be interested in talking with me on the podcast send me an email send me a dm i would love to hear from you so that's where we'll end it for today and we'll be back to regular scheduled episodes next week have a great day thanks so much for listening to the kindergarten cafe podcast Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and resources, or just head straight to kindergartencafe.org for all the goodies. If you liked this episode, the best ways to show your support are to subscribe, leave a review, or send it to a friend. I'll be back next week with even more kindergarten tips. See you then.